Welcome to the Fall Pigskins podcast today. So we've got a lot of great things that we want to talk about. First, we got King Wrangler here. We got me, myself, and I, the meat fridge. And of course, our local Chewbacca. Go ahead and hit your note. <laughs> All right, so now that we got that out of the way, we've got a little bit of talk. <laughs> yeah, let's give him a second to laugh at that. So we've got our talking points that we want to talk about. Basically, we, we pinpoint about five things that we noticed from last week's games that we kind of want to address this week. The first one being, with both Fitzmagic and Tyrod Taylor not looking good, how long are these rookies going to have to sit on that bench? Tyrod Taylor did squeak out that win. Fitzmagic did get the L. What are your guys' thoughts? Uh, well... It's kind of been determined. I think the Chargers head coach did say that Tyrod was going to play out the entire season as the starter, but injuries happen, or if bad play persists, they may be forcing his hand a little soon. So I still think they either stick it out for the entirety of 2020. I think it's more likely sometime next 2021 that we see Herbert take the field. As for Miami and Tua and the Fitzmagic situation, I think week eight the latest we'll see Tua on the field i think it's a it's a dumpster fire in miami they're just feeling out what they got no reason not to put him in and see what he's got right as long as the chargers are winning they're gonna keep tyrod in Fitzmagic magic loses Tua's is gonna come in do you have any other counterpoints to that there king wrangler yeah <clears throat> two is not starting oh, you know how i feel about you know how i feel about two i haven't really liked him. You know some some about him, I'm not a big fan of. Plus, I mean, Fitzpatrick generally starts off pretty slow-ish for the most part. Although, I mean, he's not a great quarterback by any means. But I do think, um, I, I do, I do agree with with Travis that uh, Tyrod will or Tyrod will play the whole year, and that Fitzpatrick will most likely get superseded by um, to uh, by week eight at the latest. I think it's probably later if or earlier if he keeps playing like he did against the Patriots where he had zero touchdowns, three interceptions, and had – what was his completion? He had 66% completion on 191 yards, zero yeah, touchdowns, interceptions for 44.6 quarterback rating, which is atrocious. But, I mean, traditionally, he, he's not a fabulous quarterback. I mean, 2019, he had 3,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions with 62% completion. So he's a decently accurate quarterback, but he does love the long ball probably a little too much. Which oh, is he, how, he takes a lot of risks. Yeah, which is how Devontae Parker blew up last year. Right. I think I mean, Devontae Parker's going right back down the tube once Fitzmagic's gone. Oh, I think Preston Williams is the best receiver on that team. He's definitely shown me that. I think I do I'm think not he's gonna, probably the most talented. I agree. I'm not going to. It it took it took Parker five years to have a decent season finally. I just like how straight off the bat, King Wrangler just goes right into the two of hate and then even admits it'll probably be week eight. He, he uh agrees with uh the local Chewbacca this time around. I I was scouting hey, Henry hey, to to be fair, <laughs> two is in a better situation to start right away. That's true. That you is could say that, but <laughs> I mean, when it ultimately comes to 
who would you rather run in your team, Fitzmagic or Tyrod? I would put them in the same category. I'd probably want Fitzpatrick to sell tickets at least, you know, winging the ball around. I think they're both going to have the same wins. I, I, I give Herbert a chance this year, but we'll see. So on the next docket, we got to see a lot of rookie wide receivers come off in the first round. I mean, Jalen Rager, CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, uh, Justin Jefferson. Uh, there was So there's quite a bit coming off. And in this first week, we got to kind of see what they looked like without a preseason, without training camp, without any of that stuff. And personally, in my opinion, the good rookie wide receivers this week were Quentin Cephas for the Lions and CeeDee Lamb. Um, so out of all the rookie wide receivers, since we've been so blessed over the last couple of years to have a thousand yard receiver being AJ Brown last year, who, what rookie is going to hit the thousand yard mark this year? Well, well, hold on. Why do you only say those two receivers? Um, that's from just what I saw. I saw that Henry Ruggs had one good play, but then got injured. Jerry Judy dropped a couple catches that could have, or dropped a couple balls that he should have caught. Like we've seen him in college dominate, and he, I think he's I, just in his own head. I, I agree. He he was in his own head a little bit. He just had a little bit of the rookie shambles. He got caught in the spotlight. I mean, there weren't any fans really, but you know, still happens. But I saw, I watched that game live, and his route running ability is amazing already for a rookie. It's absolutely absurd. He, he got he oh, yeah. got open against everybody with ease. And he still went over 50 yards. Like, I think Judy is going to hit 1,000 yards, especially if Cortland Sutton remains sidelined. It's it's going to be the Judy and Noah Font show all year. I mean, Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb had very similar stats. You know, Judy had eight targets. CeeDee Lamb had six. And C, uh, Lamb had, what, 59 yards compared to Judy's, what, 56 so, I mean, they had fairly similar stats. None had touchdowns in their games. If you games, give them about Judy five getting more yards two per game. Targets. <laughs> if yeah, you they give were them five similar. more yards per game, what? Then multiply that by 15 more games. That's 1,000 yards. Pretty easy. That's, I mean, that's true. C.D. Um, <laughs> Lamb just happened to catch five out of six. And then how many did Jerry Judy catch? He was four to eight, but how many of those were catchable? Uh, well, that I guess that's another argument because let let's be honest, Dak is better than uh, Lock. Yeah, Drew Lock. Yeah, I don't know why I had a brain fight right there. So, what what would your guys' picks be for who's going to hit that thousand yard mark this year? I would, I would. Mm, it, if I had to pick one, really depends. It really depends for me on how Drew Locke plays. If Drew Locke continues how he played the last five games of last year, I would definitely could see Jerry Judy. I can definitely see Jerry Judy possibly taking over Cortland Sutton roles number one. I don't think that'd happen right away. I'd probably take at least 10 weeks of this season and then maybe into next season as well. But if Drew Locke continues to play like he did last year, I... I think Jerry Judy could hit that thousand yard mark easy. What about you there, uh, Chewbacca? I agree with the Judy, but I also see CD Lamb doing it as well. I think they both go over a thousand yards this year, to be honest. Um, that's a that's my pick also. 
I, I think it happened. I, I think it really happened. I think we might see a 3,000 yard receivers in Dallas this year. First time since the Cardinals trio. And, uh, I really think. How do you guys think uh, Gruden would feel about that, knowing he had all those receivers the draft at twelve, but yet went with Henry Ruggs, the Uh, speedster who wasn't really. I believe he was probably. I think he was ranked well, like number four, by a lot of experts and yeah, on most people's boards. But yet he took him as the number one wide receiver. Right. How do you guys think he will feel, and that Raiders team will feel, if? All these players do better than than Ruggs. Well, with the fact that Ruggs already has a foot injury, and for a speedster kind of guy, that's that's got to be huge on his mind. I know for a fact that if I was running that team, I would have gone Judy or CD. I get speed kills, and you got to keep up with Tyree Kill and the Chiefs. But Ruggs was not the answer. Yeah, so he uh, missed practice today. It looks like. Uh, yeah, it's his knee that that's he's on the injury report for. Right. My biggest thing is I don't think Ruggs is necessarily bad, and he wasn't necessarily a bad player to pick. But there's zero doubt in my mind that if they really felt receiver was necessity, that they could have drafted Jerry or CD in the first round, and Ruggs would have been there for him in the second round. The draft if they really wanted him that bad. Right. I didn't see um him going in the first round for. Same for much, so I so it think... is still possible that he plays this Monday as well. I, I think that we'll... if if he stays on the field, he I think he can do okay. There's not, I think Darren Waller got a little overhyped. He had he started off hot the first six weeks of last season. He's been average since then, and outside of Josh Jacobs, where else are they really going on that offense? They just That's probably why they picked him, just to get a, a field stretcher to just let the offense flow through Jacobs, give him a Christian McCaffrey type role kind of thing. Right, you're not, you're not throwing 100 targets to Tyrell Williams every every year. It's, not, it's just not going to work out. Mm-hmm. So that could have been why. Um, so I guess we have our, our picks on who's going to hit that 1,000-yard mark hopefully this year. Uh, let's, let's I definitely go could a, see Josh Jacobs turn to that CMC type role. I could Just usage-wise alone in week one gives you faith for that. I mean, do, he had 25 attempts for 93 yards and three rushing touchdowns. Yeah, with right six off the reception, bat. Uh, Six targets, four receptions, and 46 yards. That's some CMC that. type numbers. Exactly. Um, so let's let's have a, a nice little fun discussion on will the Bengals ruin the number one overall pick, Joe Burrow, or will he turn that team around? Now, most people go, well, he's going to turn them around because they used the first pick overall on him. But that's not always true. If you don't fit your coach's system, you're going to get your coach fired, kind of like Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. He's been through four head coaches in three years. So will Joe Burrow fit Zach Taylor's definition of a QB or will he flunk out? I I would say yes, because Zach Taylor runs a very similar offense to what Joe Brady did for the LSU Tigers, which is a very pro-ready type offense. Not many colleges run that, I believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. But, I mean, at the same time, the Bengals 
I mean, Andy Dalton was a terrible quarterback by any means. He was very serviceable. You know, he's been with the team since 2011, so it's definitely time to move on since they really haven't done much with Andy Dalton at the helm. But I, I don't think it's Joe Burrow that ruins the Bengals. It'll be the Bengals that ruin the Bengals, if that makes sense. It's going to be their front offense. It's their leadership, making, for sure. Oh, definitely, I think making, it's going to be the It'll be dumb for not making the necessary trades to improve that, especially the offensive line. With how atrocious it's been with in regards to, one, providing holes for Mixon uh, to run through and also for protecting Joe Burrow concerning, he said, what, like two and a half seconds to throw the ball? And he's oh, just so yeah. an insane amount of time. Yeah, because Burrow and Mixon are definitely their most valuable assets. And they, if they're not able to protect them, the Bengals are going to ruin their careers, let alone, if not the vice versa, of them ruining the Bengals franchise. 100%. Although, although, I'll agree. Although Joe Burrow is insane under pressure. I mean, just during college alone, his last college season, he completed 73.9% of his passes while under pressure, which is a full 10 percentage points better than anyone else in the country that qualified for that statistic, which to me is just ins- insane. That is a, that's then, a good mark to hit. <laughs> yeah, that ex- is. Yeah, exactly with how bad, especially with how bad their offensive line is currently. I mean, maybe hopefully, you know, they just, the more the offensive line plays together, the better they'll get. We can only hope, but you know, again, time will tell them if they get better and when they get better. If Burrow and A.J. Green start to get a little chemistry, because there's some talent there at their wide receiver core, if they get a little chemistry and the passing game becomes a little bit of a threat, they'll have to back off a little bit. <laughs> they might not bring nah, the man. house sometimes. <laughs> nah, <laughs> man, more like, more, if, uh, Joe, more like if Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd get, get that connection. Oh, you're just I, saying that because you got Boyd on your team. Exactly. (laughs) I would say that typically too, but honestly, when Burrow is targeting Boyd, it looks so much better than when he's trying to target AJ Green. Thirteen targets, three catches for AJ Green last night or a couple nights ago. Burrow, what was it? Six, six of eight, seven of eight. It was nine of eight, I believe. It was a very um He's on my team, I can tell you. Eight targets, seven receptions, seventy two yards, one touchdown. So I was Let correct. me tell you seven Let of me eight. Tell you, I'm kicking myself for not starting him. I would have told you oh, to. It's because even though it's been limited offseason, they did have a couple of weeks to get together and put training together, whereas AJ Green has been hurt, so they don't have the prep the practice reps together that Boyd and Burrow does. So Exactly. And all camp well quote-unquote camp that we had, Burrow really likes Boyd. Boyd and Burrow's connection is amazing. I think Boyd is good enough with Burrow there. I mean, we're talking about a guy who threw 60 touchdowns in college last year. Boyd could definitely be the next popping star, especially for the Bengals. I think A.J. Green's a little too old, a little bit too washed up. It's, It's time to move on and let Boyd take over. Oh, I think they should do that as well. But All right. as far as this year with what they got, the chemistry between them gets a little better, open the offense up a little bit more, I think. 
I mean, with the past two seasons alone, Boyd has had what 108 targets, 1,028 receiving yards, and then 2019, thousand or 148 targets and 1,046 receiving yards. So I mean, it, it's not unreasonable to suspect that Boyd will be the number one target going forward. I mean, he already has 13 targets this year for 105 yards and 11 catches with one touchdown. So I, I think we can see, we'll see probably in my, this is my personal opinion, in my projection, I could see him getting above like uh, the 110 mark for targets. And not 1,000 yards. I could definitely see it, but we got to stay on track because we are kind of getting a little off topic. That It was supposed no, to be who no, will ruin who. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Don't limit us. All right. So the next one is, with everything going on with Allen Robinson and the Bears, are they okay? Will he be traded? Will they pay him top five money to make him happy? What's going to happen with Allen Robinson and the Bears? Um, I think that right now, like they have a great young defense. They have weapons on offense. I think David Montgomery's talented. I think Terry Cohen's serviceable, very serviceable at being the receiving third down pack. Trubisky's obviously <laughs> Trubisky. And uh, I, I think they got some talent at wide receiver other than Robinson that they can let, that they can begin to flourish. Anthony Miller has been great since the last, since the beginning of the second half of last season, he's shown some real flair as taking off. Um, again, four receptions, six targets, 76 yards, and a touchdown last game against the Lions. Although, I mean, the touchdown was good touchdown late late in the game. But he's talented enough. I think he's serviceable. I think they, if the Bears don't want to pay Allen the money, let him walk, get what you can for him, and build. Right. I am excited to hear King Wrangler's thoughts on this, knowing that the Bears are your second favorite team. Do you want him on your team still? I, I, I do because I know how much talent he has. Like he is such a great receiver, but like, especially last year, having what ninety-eight reception, one hundred fifty-four targets. He was obviously the number, Bears' number one receiver, and he is Mitchell Trubisky's by far favorite target. So if you take Mitchell Trubisky's favorite target, the man you traded so much for. To go up one freaking pick, which I'm still still a little little uh, heated about to this day, and take away his favorite target. What you, you're gonna your offense is gonna go to crap. It is going going to go downhill fast and quickly. You'll end up with a top ten pick and Trevor Lawrence, hopefully, right? God, I, did... <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, I'd you are in his final that. what his third year, so his contract year. Essentially, I still think you pay Allen Robinson because he, even if you get Trevor Lawrence or whatever, you still need receivers. You still need those those guys that he can count on. And Allen Robinson, I believe, is one of them. Coming last year was his best year since, what, 2015 when he had 1,400 yards and 14 touchdowns. Last year, he had 1,147 yards and seven touchdowns on almost 100 receptions, which was about 98. And as bad as it sounds... Trubisky's probably been the best receiver or the best QB he's ever played with because his other one was Blake Bortles. Did he, <laughs> did he, 
I don't know. No, he wasn't there when. Yeah, he didn't play with Nick Foles at all. Nope. That was last year for one game. Uh, but Blake Bortles was an odd quarterback because he did well when they ran the ball a lot. He was yes. a very run oriented type of quarterback when that that was the. I don't know how to explain that, but that that was his play style when they were a run heavy team. He played the best, kind of like how Ryan Tannehill is. Right, low passing volume, but good floor for the rushing. Yes, so, sir. Um, I am a Colts fan, and the Jags are obviously an in-division rival. Uh, so, with Gardner Minshew looking so good in week one and at the end of last year, if they end up with a top 10 pick still this year, are they going to use it on a QB, or are they going to commit to Gardner Minshew? Oh no, Hell they're, no they're committing the Carter issue. Yeah, I'd big commit. freaking time. You have tons of talent on that offense. You already saw what Shark could do last year. Glavisco Chanel showed a lot of promise, especially with the creativity and the ways that we were using him as well. And James Robinson looks like he could be the real deal. The front office there in Jacksonville definitely seems to have that kind of faith in him, telling Leonard Fournette, see ya. And then promptly giving him on the field 68% of the touches. Hey, or not hey, touches, hey, but... hey. Don't, don't be giving away some later things. You know, keep it keep it sweet. Keep it simple right, right now. Don't but, you be uh, giving away stuff later. Oh. But anyways, but, uh, yes, I, I agree with... But if you get a top 10 pick, build the defense that you just stripped. That'd be dumb to waste it on a quarterback. Go another D-lineman, like linebacker. Or draft a new running back. Either one of them That's would be it. better... And drafting a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I mean, Gardner Minshew, what, completed 61% of his passes, 3,200 yards, 21 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. That is pr- damn good for a sixth-round rookie. That's good for any rookie. Exactly. <laughs> Especially a sixth-round rookie that went to Washington State. Before that, he went to, uh, what do you call those colleges that are, oh, I can't Division think of the two? term. Potato yeah, basically. League. Basically. <laughs> <Potato League. laughs> basically, he went to those, those smaller schools that weren't quite Division One. So to get that call to be – I mean, at one point he was prepared to go to Alabama and be the backup quarterback and just be that. So at that point he would probably would have gone on draft and maybe, maybe made the practice squad. But he got a call from Washington State. It was like, hey, you want to be the – Leading passer in the country. And he he was like, yes. oh, hell yeah. So then he did. He became the sixth-round quarterback. And to me, the rest is history at that point. You just like that's mustache. Right. right, you're part of that mania. I mean, I yeah, a little bit. Like, I, I, I do believe in him, and I, I, believe, I believe he will too. do well. He's good. I think he will do well, and I think he will keep improving. If he doesn't do great this year, I think he will keep improving. Definitely better than Baker Mayfield, you know? Always <laughs> <laughs> going to take quick shots. So, 2016-2017, he played for East Carolina. Doing fairly decent. You know, not nothing too spectacular, but pretty good. And then 2018, he had, uh, had almost 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns, 9 receptions. So he did well in his final year of college, especially. So I, I 
I think he's going to do just fine. Now, on to one of my favorite parts of our Pigskin Show podcast is, let me get my vocal cords ready, the slumber from down under. If you can't tell, that's my Aussie accent. Uh, I'm not good. Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> Hell no, Dwayne Haskins. is not a slumber from down under. But he led the league in passing in 2018 for college, only to beat Gardner Minshew, who is the best rookie from last year as a quarterback. He's going to be Tua. Man, I went right into the slumber down under, and you're pulling it right back to that Gardner. Leave that shit in the garden, okay? He's better than, he's better than Tua, okay? Why are you jealous, bro? Ooh. Yeah. We'll talk about that at a different time. I'm calling you out. Answer. Answer. I'm calling you out. I think Tua will have the much better career than Gardner Minshew. I believe in Tua. I believe in the left-handed Russell Wilson. I was watching film on the receivers and fell in love with Tua. I didn't get that with Gardner. I didn't get that with other guys. I've never once been able to watch a wide receiver scouting film to, you know, see how they look and then fall in love with a guy throwing the QB or throwing the football. Like it's, it's got to be strong to be thrown to QB, right? You just, yeah, want, you just want his money. All right, <laughs> for, for the slumber down under boys, that's our lingo for the sleeper of the week. That's lame. Stick with us. But mine, I'm going with the name that you heard earlier, James Robinson, Jaguars running back. He performed pretty well. 68% of the snap carry last of the of the offensive snaps he was on the field got 19 touches he did pretty well um game script's going to be in his favor they seem to use him in the passing game a little bit as well two receptions i believe for 28 yards and going up against tennessee this week they gave up 5.2 yards per carry to melvin gordon they let him in the end zone they're going to be passing and running a lot i think he gets in there i think he does just fine Hey, that's sometimes that's all you need. I think you've got some good points. I think he will have a decent career. I mean, if you let go of Fournette, you've got to be good enough, right? I agree. So, he, he's looking pretty good. King uh, Wrangler, who's yours? What about you, me, Fridge? Oh, I was about to say, what about you, me, Fridge? I'm, if you want, me, Fridge will go first. I love packing the meat on this barbecue. Ah, oh, Naeem Hines, that man. He's a bad man. Out. He, oh, dude, he did so well. Uh, I don't know. It's like some about Philip Rivers and him loving to pass and loving him loving to pass to his running backs. God damn, if I could talk, holy hell! <laughs> you, <know what> I <laughs> got, you had a crush on Hines. You just got flustered. You couldn't talk. Uh, yeah, dude, you drafted you Jonathan so Taylor, good. and then you pick up Hines now, and you got a chub. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, why wouldn't I pick up Hines, man? More than Mac, unfortunately, got injured. Yeah, Torrey's Achilles out for the year. Well, in 2018, Andrew Lack threw to him 81 times. He had six out of those 81s. He caught it 63 times. 2019, he went down a little bit to 58. And so far this year, he has eight catches. Like, what eight catches already? And Philip Rivers traditionally loves to pass to his running backs. Just look at. It. Eckler, yeah. The history for Eckler. Last year he had 108. Before that he had at least 50. And then Melvin Gordon 
before that had at least 50 stats as or not 50 stats, 50 catches or 50 targets as well. So I think you take that stats out over time, it, it's going to pay dividends to maybe star him if you want. If you need him to star him in the flex, you can, or at least at the very minimum, keep him on your bench. Because okay. if you definitely, if definitely worth the, rostering, yeah, I think oh, he's sure. definite flex play with high appeal. I mean, if he at least gets six targets per game, that's gonna be ninety six targets on the year, and that's he'll good. probably catch at least eighty of those ninety six, depending on you know what the route is and how good Phil Rivers delivers the ball. Because what last game he had threw two picks and he looked okay. But oh, the, he's garbage. Every, I'm a Colts fan, and I want him off my team. I'll <laughs> yeah, trade for Jameis Winston. And one of them was on the the game, quote unquote, game winning drive. Yeah. But he looked the, his ball. I'm, I'm talking purely just on his ball placement. I'm saying it looked okay. It wasn't fantastic. Not a quarterback I would start. But back to Naeem Himes, he is definitely a player I am going to be playing in whatever fantasy league I'm in, and at least my flex spot. Now, I mean, now if it's a non-PPR league or a half, P- half PPR league, I'll be a lot more hesitant on. Yeah, PPR, though, he's a full go. Definitely PPR leagues, I am starting him because he will at least get five targets per game in my uh, my personal prediction, especially with Mar- Marlon Mack tearing his Achilles heel and being out for the rest of the year. I don't. I don't think that's unreasonable. Right. No. It's. It's definitely not. I. As a Colts fan, I've liked Hines. He's great at that third down roll, that scat back. Um, great on screens, and he only needs a couple of screens to be worthy to roster in a game before he takes exactly. one to the house. Exactly. He had two touchdowns. One of them was passing. One of them was receiving. Or no, sorry. One of them was rushing. One of them was receiving. Right. But he split. Snaps with Jonathan Taylor exactly at twenty twenty in the second half. So take that out to a full game. Does it go 40-40 or kind of thing? Does is he going to split snaps evenly with Jonathan Taylor half and half, or will Taylor be a little more? Will Hines be a little more? That's just something we're going to have to pay attention to for the rest of the year. But I will most likely be starting Hines every year in the flex. Alrighty, so I guess that leaves me with my um, my slumber from down under, my sleeper of the week, or the person who I think is getting undervalued. Uh, I'm going to go away from what you guys are doing. You you both chose running backs. I'm going to go with a wide receiver, DJ Moore, Carolina's number one. I know a lot of people are buying into the Robbie Anderson. Oh, he had a good game. And DJ Moore is not because he had a bad game. People are questioning his talent, and I don't understand how you can do this. He had over 1,100 yards with Kyle Allen, who's the backup for the Washington football team behind Haskins. We're talking about a guy who's played one season because that's, he Cam got hurt. He had to get thrown in there and is now a backup. We're talking about a 99th percentile athlete coming out of college, a guy who has historically dominated. His college dominator was 97th percentile. Anything over 45 is considered extraordinary. We're talking a guy 
a 98th percentile breakout age at 18.4. We're talking about a guy who is physically dominant on the field in all aspects, short, intermediate, and deep. Just because he had a slow game, it wasn't even terrible. It was just not what you wanted when it came to DJ Moore. So the fact that people are just hopping off the train and they're saying, hey, nine targets isn't good enough because he only had four catches, 54 yards. Give him a chance to bounce back. Give him a chance to face Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And I promise you, you will be very happy. This kid is way too talented and way too important in this offense to just disappear like that too often. He's Everyone's going to have a bad game. I mean, Michael Thomas, trust me, had a terrible game. He was on my uh-huh. team. DJ I mean, Moore <laughs> is going to bounce back big time. Yeah, it's kind of similar, uh, similar to what people, some people had rated uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Even though he's finished very well every season he's had, he's had some pretty bad quarterbacks like Tom Savage, for example. But he's consistently posted over 1,000 yards in each of those seasons. So it, it's a similar tune for me in just the way he played in his first game with Ty- Kyler Murray. You know, having 14 catches, 16 receptions, 151 yards is ridiculous. Yes, it is. Right. So I just think his talent will shine shine through. That will bring us to our top waiver wire pickups. Uh, These are actually pretty easy to guess. Uh, I am going in on James Robinson, Travis's slumber down under man. Um, and that's just simple because he was good enough to make them move on from Fournette. That's that's who my top waiver wire pick is. The same as my slumber down under pick as well. Strictly, also, if you're someone who's weak at running back, he's someone that definitely needs to be on your roster because um, you never know. He gets a lot of usage rate. Fournette was on the field for 93 percent of the off or 83 percent of the offensive snaps last season, and they have said that. They're very comfortable giving Robinson that kind of workload. So, someone you should pick up. All right, King Wrangler, who's your top waiver? Oh, mine's still... Ooh, Naheem Hines, at least. You know, it's like... Man, that that dude is what, 87% rostered in Yahoo Fantasy League. Went up 68% last week. Now... Granted, that's a lot of that's from Marlon Mack's injury, but I still think that would have gone up. That would have skyrocketed, even without concerning his users before Marlon Mack got injured. Right. I I think you're right. I think they would have faded Marlon Mack. Just as a Colts fan, that's exactly what I wanted to. So, oh, for sure. Um. Here comes a pretty easy one. It's the don't overreact to this guy's performance. I believe we he's all the, agree on this one. Yeah, Sammy Watkins, he's, he always has one or one game every so often that he blows up, and then he's just irrelevant the rest of his career. Minus his first two seasons of his career, he's been pretty irrelevant. He averages 3.9 receptions, 50 yards per game. That's in a PPR league under 10 points per game for his entire career in a Kansas City uniform. I mean, didn't last year he explode for the first, what, like two or three games? It was yeah, the first game he had three kind of thing. And, and then he had like five straight goose bags. Might as yep. well have at least. 
Okay, I figured it was the same thing. I thought it was. Yep, and similar storyline. Yep, that's why mine is like he's always a week one darling. He comes out week one, shows, oh hey, this is why I should get paid so much, and then he disappears. Sure, he's due for positive touchdown regression uh, because he only scored the three or four last year, and that was it. Uh, but I'm not, you know, biting into the fact that Watkins is anything more than like a dart throw and that you hope you get the right week and you play him your flex that week. I'm not going to deal with that. That's not the way I want to yeah, play. He averages back. about one touchdown every four games for his career, but he also averages one every four games he misses a game. So that's your dart throw. Choose one of every four games. He's either going to score a touchdown or get not play. So that's your choice. And then that's not something anyone wants to do. <laughs> yeah. So right after the don't overreact comes the don't underreact, and you need to pick this guy up or possibly even trade for him if you can get them cheap enough. What yeah. are your guys' thoughts? Back to Sammy Watkins. He had, after his first game of uh, 11 targets, 198 yards, three touchdowns, he went down drastically. He never cleared what, 60, at least 65 yards in any game since then. So to say that he will continue that performance or at least meet that performance, I, I think it's just unrealistic at this point. I agree. That's that's why we're all saying, hey, don't even worry about him. He's not worth your time. Trade him to someone who wants him. You Sell you high just, right now. Yeah, exactly. Trade him now. His value will be – you could get someone to trade you. Hey, you might actually be able to trade him for someone in our next segment that don't underreact, pick this guy up. And I'd be willing to do that. Oh, yeah. Don't underreact. Pick this guy up. I think me and King Wrangler here in agreeance, Darius Slayton from the Giants, he's a dog. Nine targets, six receptions, 102 yards, two touchdowns. He's just continued a trend since he entered the league last year as a rookie. He's got 10 and touchdowns in 15 career games. He just has a nose for the end zone. He's, Boy, did he seal your fate on Monday night for fantasy football last week. That felt awful oh, for you. Yeah, yeah, he put the nail in the coffin to me about the kids. The kid's good. You need to get him. <laughs> I mean, compared to Sterling Shepard, who was quote-unquote their number one receiver, I, I Darius Lange, I think, will just be too good and has too good of a of a chemistry with Daniel Jones to not be played in your fantasy league. He's he's just going to continue to get better. He's going to continue where he left off last year, and just just continue to dominate. I mean, considering he had 740 yards on 84 targets and. Eight touchdowns last year. Most of those coming after what, like week nine or ten. Yeah, yes, I think, he, he really I, think I think he's going to continue that momentum and really playing with Daniel Jones during that time period helped him, as you can see against the Steelers when he had nine. Nine targets, six receptions, 102 yards, and two touchdowns. Oh, yeah. By comparison, he out-targeted Sterling Shepard by three receptions, by three targets. Um, and Sterling Shepard, by comparison as well, who's supposedly the number one, 54 career games, only 17 touchdowns. Slayton's, like, more than double that pace touchdown-wise. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Shepard had six targets, six receptions for 47 yards, no touchdowns. So I, I kind of think that shows... 
the level of trust and chemistry that Daniel Jones has with Darius Slayton, I, I think they're going to do just fine and only going to continue to get better from here on out. Right. I, I, I agree big time. Uh, I did go a little bit of a other reaction uh, than you guys. Again, just because I felt like Darius Slayton was a pretty easy one. Mine's actually Miles Gaskin. And I think a lot of people are just kind of like underrating him and not realizing what he really could turn out to be. Um, so he's by far the big touch favorite in Miami's backfield already over both Matt Burita, who they traded for, and over Jordan Howard, who they went out and signed in free agency. So let me give you a little bit of detail about Miles Gaskin. He's a 77th percentile college dominator. Anything over 40% is considered excellent. Now let me have you compare that with someone. Saquon Barkley, his college dominator was 73%. So he was a little bit more dominant in college. Miles Gaskage, yards per carry, 5.6. Saquon's, 5.7. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Gaskins is Saquon, but I am saying he is a good athlete, and we are just dismissing him because of where he's playing and the fact that he was chosen in the seventh round. There are plenty of guys who were chosen late round or undrafted, and then they come in and they perform very well after given the chance. Hey, Kenyon Drake did well one year there in a dumpster fire. Exactly. Under this new head coach, if he keeps giving them these touches, I think you become an every week flex play. I'm not going to say he's going to break the top 20 or that he's going to be your RB2 for the rest of the season. I'm saying he could become a solid flex play every week and you can get him on that waiver wire. And that's like a little gold nugget that you found. I say scoop him up or if someone just picked him up before he has a big game, try to get him real quick. Swap Sammy Watkins for him real quick. No, that's that's how I try. I know I you did. I was, gonna upset. <laughs> I was gonna offer you Sammy Watkins, but I don't have Watkins. Ooh, hard bargain. <laughs> you might have got me there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my guy. There's our don't interact. Go get these guys at a slight cost if you can, especially if you're playing in the dynasty. I think they all have great futures. Um, let's talk about our bold predictions for our favorite rookies. Uh, but- little. Little uh, Chewbacca down there, little Wookie. You want to take this over? Yeah, my bold prediction for my favorite rookies. I got two: Zach Moss, Buffalo Bills running back. I think by week four he is clearly the one A running back. I still think they go with the running back by committee, but he's going to be the more one A over the one B. He might have been inefficient a little bit last week, but he still found the end zone. He, I played him in my flex last week, got me double digit points in a full PPR. Um. Jets defense isn't horrible. That needs to be noted. People seem to just dismiss the Jets because of what they look like on offense. Their defense isn't bad. Um, so I think this week against Miami, Zach Moscow clears the 100-yard mark and really shows what he can do. Mm, 100 yards. That'll be nice to see. You just traded him away too, didn't you, in your dynasty? We're not talking about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. I guess that leaves room. I guess we won't talk about it. Why, that's okay. <laughs> King Wrangler, go ahead and take us on. Uh, I'm reading yours, so I'm, I'm interested to see how you back this up. Go ahead. Jerry Judy. Oh, God. This. 
So I, he doesn't necessarily have the stats back as of week one, but just watching the film on him and you guys have no, you guys know basically based on our dynasty league and how much I talked about him on the off season and last year during the college football season and leading up to the final, leading up to the NFL draft and after the NFL combine, how much I was in love with him. He was one of the guaranteed players I was going to draft with my four first round picks, him with and Jonathan Taylor. The dude is just crazy talented. He, he is argue, he's not, not, I won't say arguably the best. He is the best route runner in the 2020 NFL draft for wide receivers. I, I think he's just going to continue to do great things. He had nine catches, or not nine catches, nine targets last week and four receptions for 56 yards. I think he's just going to continue to build on that, continue to build on his rapport with Drew Locke. And if Drew Locke can continue to be the quarterback that he was last year for the final five games or whatever it was, I, I think Jerry Judy will be a force to be reckoned with and will continue to create separation from those elite defenders. I see nothing but great things from Jerry Judy in the future. I can tell. Goodness. What about you, me, Fridge? Yes, uh, sir. Well, Fridge. Drum roll. I'm uh I'm actually gonna stuff my cake with two different running backs this <laughs> this year. <laughs> so I think two different rookie running backs are gonna finish inside the top ten. Now that may not be bold, but I believe both JT and CEH are gonna finish inside the top ten. I think CEH finishes in the top four. And I think JT finishes in the top six, four and six, respectively. Now, the reason for that is Marlon Mack went down. JT's got the clear to go. He's already got six targets or six catches, something like that, in week one. He's fantastic. He's going to go all the way. He's too six good. Six targets, at- six receptions. So I Phil was right Rivers on passes, Yeah, Phil Rivers passes running backs 14 times. Right. And with that line being so good, this guy's going to average six yards a pop. CEH and that high-powered offense is just going to flourish. I'd like to see him more involved in the passing game because they gave him the ball 25 times rushing. That's that's not what you want to see for you know a short guy like him. You want to see him catch the ball, and that's where you'll get those extra points, especially in PPR. So the I'm one taking thing CEH needs to work on is his goal line rushing. Ah, uh, dang! I was about to say that six yep. times, no no touchdowns, no I believe. Yeah, like yeah. negative one yard. <laughs> yeah, it that was almost as bad as Saquon against Pittsburgh. But other than that, he was great. Yeah, I think both of them have a bright future in this NFL. And if you by chance were lucky enough to land one of them, congratulations. They're going to be top 10 contributors for the next four or five years. So that will lead us into our dynasty because I – do play quite a bit of dynasty so players to stash in your dynasty leagues someone who may not be out there on the top of everyone's mind someone you can probably get pretty cheap right now and that you can scoop up i'm actually going to keep rolling because mine's a running back it's anthony mcfarland and people forget how good he is in maryland he averaged 6.7 yards per carry for his career he averaged 7.9 his rookie year and then you know, dealt with an injury his sophomore year. Give him time. He'll win this job. I mean, who's there? Connor, who's often injured. And remember, this is like Connor's last year. If they resign him, then he'll get injured again. If they let him walk, well, that's less competition. Benny Snell, 
good athlete, but not a pass catcher. Anthony's an underrated pass catcher. He, they like their workhorses. He'll get there. Even if so, he doesn't, Pittsburgh runs enough with offense with their running backs that if he became the 1B and Connor was just out the door and it was Snell and McFarlane, he'd get enough to be a flex play at the least. Still, that offense is so loaded. Right, but, that's why I kind of want Connor to be down uh, this game, but it looks like he'll play because I wanted to see McFarland out there. I think it'll only take a few snaps, and then I think Pittsburgh fans are going to fall in love with him. Oh, my pick is definitely Quintez Cephas from the Detroit Lions, former Wisconsin Badger. Yes, he had 10 targets, only three catches. He did drop a couple passes, but a lot of opening day big guns did too. Jerry Judy dropped a couple. Rookies do those things. But he was routinely getting open and let's not forget the kind of rapport that Matt Stafford had with receivers like him i.e. Golden Tate back-to-back thousand yard seasons do I think his targets stay like at the 10 targets a game right now especially with Kenny Galladay coming back later on no but he's someone to definitely keep on your bench because has he already shown me that he could be someone that could be do big things in this offense yes I'd, I'd hold on to him so you're not worried about his 4.73 40-yard dash? It didn't look like it was 4.73. He was blowing by right. people. True. Hey, sometimes, you know, those jitters can get to you while running. He did look pretty quick in and out of routes and down the field for the Lions. So as long as you're not worried about that, you're not scared off, I think he's a great target, especially with Kenny Galladay down. I mean, he's going to just get peppered. And uh, King Wrangler, don't you have a uh, wide receiver you want to stash in Dynasty? Oh, yeah. Justin Jefferson, Joe Burrow's favorite target from LSU. That boy is, what, like 38% rostered in Yahoo Fantasy League right now? Should be something like that. Yeah, 35%. Went up 10%. Dynasty, at least. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, Yahoo Fantasy League is across the board. I mean, he didn't have a great great week by any means uh, let's look up the stats real quick oh yeah okay so three targets two receptions but I mean coming out of camp the Vikings said nothing but good things to say that he'll play mostly in the slot where he ran f- in college his final season he did 575 of his 583 total routes from the slot. His production, he led the nation with 109 receptions for 1,518 slot receiving yards. That is fucking insane at six foot one, 202 pounds. At the combine, he posted a 37 and a half inch vertical with 443 speed combined with nine and one eighth inch hands. Like the dude is just going to be insane. 49 of his 53 target or yeah catches came within between one and nine yards, indicating that he's very heavily used in the slot as well. Again, and he has a 92.5% catch rate, and he has a 93% contested catch rate. So this dude's just going to be a monster. And only being 35% rostered, you can get him, stash him away, not even think about it until it becomes a bigger part of the offense. Because right now, I believe. The Vikings have him as their number three wide receiver and are treating him as such. 
But I would expect him by season end to be at least a number two. Oh, yeah. I, I strongly expect him to take over the number two over a BC. I would wouldn't you... be surprised. So, King Wrangler, would you like to uh, trade me JT right here on air? <laughs> no, what are you offering? <laughs> well, I'll throw MT in this trade. Ooh. I'll do it right here, right now, so everyone can hear it. They're going to call me dumb, but they also don't know my team. So, Anyways, I'm willing to do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> we're going to move on to our weekly breakout players. I've, I've talked about Jonathan Taylor a lot, so I don't know if I'm willing to trade him for Michael Thomas, who will almost assuredly cause me to lose this week. Funny enough, Jonathan Taylor's the reason I brought up was he's rolling into the next segment our weekly breakout players, and I believe King Wrangler, JT is yours. Oh my God, yes. I, As I've told you guys, especially throughout the offseason, Jonathan Taylor was the number one guy that I was going to draft no matter fucking what. Like, there is no question about it. I was drafting Jonathan Taylor. I loved him when he was in Wisconsin. He set records. He was, what, the second... Uh, the number two guy in career yards, at least in college, I believe, at least top three. Here, let me check that real quick for you. Um, but just, but on top of that, with uh, Marlon Mack being injured, right, right, how do you say his name? Has already come out and said that Jonathan is going to be the starting running back moving forward. And the second half, he was getting a good amount of usage and a good amount of carries. So his production could only possibly go up from here. I don't see what he had so far. Nine nine attempts, 20 yards, six receptions, 67 yards. Almost would have had a touchdown if he broke that tackle, but he, he kind of got caught up, which is not a, not a big deal. But I, I see his stats only trending up. <laughs> With Naheem Hines in the fold makes it a little bit more difficult on what carries and catches he will get. Or not necessarily catches, but more so the carries. Either way, Jonathan Taylor, I believe, is still going to be heavily involved in the offense as Marlon Mack was in the beginning of the game before he tore his Achilles. Not a bad pick. I can agree with that. But my weekly breakout player, I got a roll with the Bears, David Montgomery at running back. Last season, Giants defense gave up 19.2 points per game on the ground to running backs. Not only that, Benny Snell just posted a 19-carry, 113 rushing line against that Giants defense. Look for David Montgomery to rebound. I'm giving a bold prediction, 15 rushes, 80 yards, two receptions for another 15 yards, and he's getting in the end zone. Book it, baby. Book it, baby. All right. So I'm taking a very easy way out with this one. Uh, for the simple fact, Saquon Barkley. I hate you. Saquon Barkley <laughs> had the worst time of his life against that Pittsburgh defense. They snapped the ball, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> it is right there in his face. And it's not just one. It was two, three different Steelers defenders right there. The guy is explosive as all hell. He's going to come out and be upset. And now with Tiki Barber critiquing him, 
he's going to have himself that just revenge game on the Chicago Bears defense and just show them why he's going to go bananas. He's going to actually get involved in the passing game some more. He had a decent line there. I'm thinking he's Saquon a horrible Jones. pass blocker, though. Ah, uh, see, that's what they're saying, but I don't believe it. I'm going straight up 150 yards, a touchdown, 50 yards receiving, and a touchdown. I am saying Saquon has himself a day after being absolutely embarrassed. 15 for negative three. That was just sad, Saquon. You better do me right. I drafted him so high. I have so much praise for this kid. Well, thanks for that sad outro. So that'll You're do welcome. It. You're welcome. Any other any other things you guys want to touch on? Hey, thanks for Barkley, uh, not to redeem fun. himself. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Saquon's overrated. Oh, okay. Oh okay. Say that again. Say that again. Say that again. Uh, Saquon's overrated. Yeah. Yeah, you guys have your fun. Wait until JT goes down. And David Montgomery, I'll be sitting here wondering why you didn't choose Saquon. <laughs> I don't know that. Not true. I'm a Colts fan. I hope that doesn't happen. Uh, he's the best running back. Yeah, yeah. Add in a minute. Easily since Edron James. Right, oh, exactly. So. You're welcome. <laughs> you didn't give him to us. You're not the one up there drafting him. I did <laughs> draft him. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, so that's going to be it for today's Pigskin Show, the Fantasy Footballers. Ooh, I just name-dropped him. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that'll be it for uh-huh. the Pigskin Fantasy Football Show today. Thank you for joining us in our debunk. D- debunk? Debunk. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you what show. What the fuck was that? Thank you for joining into our debunk show uh, where we debunk. We're going to debunk stupid ass fantasy opinions. That's right. Surprise. We're just getting started. (laughs) So, this is our debut episode of the Mexican Fantasy Footballers. Give us a follow on Twitter and on Facebook and keep up to date on all of our weekly talking points and predictions. Tune in for next week's episode for the latest updates.